Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. I'm like an Eskimo with a million words for snow. I've got a lot of words for rage right now. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. I don't know if a scarf is a good idea for Aunt Jan. She's really picky about what she wears. With Margaret Abel's and Amy Wilson. Me dragging my zombie carcass to like a restaurant had no bearing. It solved zero of my problems. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. If soy milk isn't milk, then why does it say milk right on the carton? Hello and welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today we're discussing something that listeners have specifically asked us to answer for them, which is, does having kids ruin your marriage forever? (laughs) I mean, I'm not really qualified to answer this because I got married in December and had a baby in September. Like I never had a marriage without kids. Mm, Interesting. So I didn't, I mean... My marriage may have been ruined by kids, but it was, you know what I mean? Like it, it's always been my marriage. So I never, it's like, I know some people are like five years together, like going out dancing and drinking and like having a ball with their friends. And then a kid comes along and ruins it. Right. I mean, my life was just ruined in general by marriage and kids simultaneously. And by marriage, just to keep the lens very wide, we mean relationships, we mean parenting partners, we mean same-sex relationships, and and there's some research that suggests that for a woman married to a man, which is the case for both of us, that things might get even a little bit more intense for reasons that we'll discuss. But yeah, does it have to be bad forever? And here's how this came up. We had a recent episode, I forget even which one it was, a recent episode, where we talked about our old uh, partners at the daycare (laughs) joke that we've been talking about for seven years now, which angry partners at the daycare, angry partners at the daycare that that was my marriage for several years. Yeah, after becoming kid, right, that you move from people who really enjoy spending time together. I love his sense of humor. He's a great dancer. And now you're just angry partners at the 24 seven daycare. And do you get back from that? And I've given this advice before in the podcast that which was advice that I received. I even put it in my first book. It was a friend of my husband's. His name is Scott. My husband was talking about not how he like couldn't stand me, but just how like it was a lot. You know, the blender of life with little kids is a lot. And this guy said like, it's the lost decade. It's about a decade. You're not really going to talk to your wife about anything besides, you know, who's throwing up for about a decade. And if you can just hang on for about a decade, it'll get better after that. Like just know that it's coming. And I feel like that is... 
in some ways really helpful to know it is about a decade of your life being really run by something besides what do you feel like doing tonight? Like you're th- that sentence is not going to come out of your mouth for about 10 years, but someday it will again. It doesn't have to be forever. Yeah, I think if that sounds horrendous to you because you have little kids right now, I think you could argue for five years, for a five-year window. But then, you know, you have a couple more kids and it kind of extends. So I guess the decade is like, right, because I had three kids in four years. So like the baby turning five, I still had a two-year-old, right? So I guess it is about a decade. I mean, it can't be right if you have multiple kids. Yeah. And I think... I also give this advice all the time in different sort of, you know, arenas that there's not worrying about it and then there's ignoring it. And those don't mean the same thing. So like when I say like, it's the last decade, it's about a decade that you're kind of your kids come before your your relationship with your parenting partner and like, it's okay. It's kind of how it goes. It doesn't mean like, don't walk in that garden for 10 years and, you know, pull up some weeds once in a while. Like there is maintenance work to be done. Sure. And don't settle into like a no romance hatred and be like, oh, this will only be a decade. Like you can't get so far off the rails that you have lost track of the right. Not worrying about it and not doing anything about it are not the same thing. But I do think and I have given this advice in other contexts is that I think I learned this on the podcast, but one of the things I try to say when people are having a hard time now is that sounds really hard. That's as hard as it sounds like it's as hard as you think it is, you know, that just validating the hardness of it, because I do think that the whole I mean, I love Disney as much as the next person. But I do kind of giggle at the Disney wedding. It's like you're pulling up in a car, the Cinderella carriage, and the dude is like dressed as a prince. And you're at the Disney castle, like getting married. And I just think, I hope y'all realize how far away from this marriage really is. Like, they do not show the scene in Cinderella where, like, Cinderella is screeching at the prince for, like, leaving his dirty socks in the kitchen. And there's, like, three crying babies in the background. And the prince is like, well, I have a work trip. Sorry. Like, they skip that part of the movie. And <laughs> let me tell you, it's coming for you after your Disney themed wedding the uh i need six eggs lady from beauty and the beast she's a, i need six eggs she's an extra right and, and then you're living her life and not there's a great meme just in case you don't know amy's reference that it says i thought i was this person and it's bell singing like oh i want out of this provincial town i want to venture in the great wide somewhere <laughs> Yes. And then in the background, there's a woman screeching, I need six eggs. And you're like, I think I'm Belle, but I'm I need six eggs, lady. And yeah, yeah, that's the problem with the like, I am Cinderella to your Prince Charming. And then you're like, no, I am I need six eggs, lady to your like, you know, ugly butcher in the background. Not here right now. Right. Which is why I'm freaking out. They don't have that theme wedding. No, exactly. You're not able to put a kerchief and an apron on and get married. Why do I always have to pick up the kids from daycare and get them? Yeah. So this is very common. There is a marriage researcher, Dr. Brian Doss, and he published a study in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, where he studied couples, married couples that had been married for eight to 10 years. You're sort of halfway through the last decade at that point, right? Like you get married, have a couple of kids, like they're in it. They're not in maybe newborn stage, but they're in the tough years that we're talking about. 
90% of the people surveyed in the survey said they felt less happy in their relationship after having children than they had before. 90%. Yeah. Everybody. I mean, who are those 10%? That's all I want to know. That's the only mystery of that statistic to me. <laughs> they have one nanny for every kid. That's who those those ten percent of people are. Maybe those people are miserable. <laughs> They're not believe me. I knew some of them in L.A. <laughs> they are not happy. I mean, I had never met a person who had nine nannies who was happy. I'm just going to say they may be out there, but I did not meet them in L.A. Yeah, I mean, my husband and I would occasionally be like in it so badly and like fighting and a nightmare and the kid had just found the sharpie and the dinner was burnt and someone was coming to stay and the house looked like absolute like a robbery had occurred and they'd toss the place and we would occasionally look at each other and say some people do this to save their marriages some people do this to bring them closer together like wow that's a bad plan that was, yeah. <laughs> what are those people saying right now? Yeah. They're like, wow, this was, well, there's a great line in um, a chorus line. Everything is beautiful at the ballet where they, she's telling the story of her parents and they had her to save their marriage. And then the father says, well, I thought this was going to help, but I guess it's not. And uh, yeah, I think it's a, it's misguided. Well, all right. So within these studies, there's been more than one study. And guess what? People who are in the lost decade in the slog of angry partners at the daycare report being less happy than they used to be. But out of the people who are less happy than they used to be, the least happy of the unhappy are mothers in heterosexual relationships. They're below women in same-sex relationships, and they're below all the dudes. The mothers... <laughs> All the dudes. I have it the worst. Right. This surprises me not at all, because I do think that in a same-sex relationship, the default gender roles, you have to actually discuss them. Like, you actually have to have a conversation at some point about who's going to do what. And I think the default ruts are not as deep in same-sex relationships. That would be my assumption of why that's true. From the outside, right? Right. But and of course, if you're breastfeeding, then you have to get up. You do the night wakings. You are more tired. And we're going to talk about that too, why that matters. And then then that just becomes, we're the only one that can calm the baby down. The baby wants you, you know, and you just become the only person who knows how to do the things. And then I think that gets put on you and like your maternal gatekeeping. Like, no, you're not. You just get every, the baby handed right back to you every time something isn't perfect because you're the only one who knows how to do it says the person who doesn't really want to hold the crying baby anymore. I mean, I had such like rage clarity, if that if I might coin a term, <laughs> after having probably my third kid in four years, I just kept saying to my husband, your life hasn't changed at all. Your body is not damaged. Your sleep cycle is like, yeah, a little bit more interrupted than it used to be. Your his work schedule, and I will say, like, it's not because he's a jerk. It's because he had a very demanding job with a company that is from another country that did not based in another country where the idea of parental leave was ridiculous, and you know, it was not part of the company culture that dads would take any kind of paternity. Leave. I, mean, I had my baby, my first baby, on a Friday. My husband went back to work full time on a Monday, and his full time work was he left it eight in the morning and he came home at seven o'clock at night. I mean, it was brutal. And I will say my husband was not a guy who was like, and I'm going to go for beers with the guys. Like, he would rush home. 
he felt bad. He made a whole thing that Saturday mornings he would always take the kids out. I mean, he tried really hard, but I was gobsmacked by, I don't know why I didn't see it coming that, oh my gosh, your life last week and this week are 90% the same. Yes. My life last week and this week are 1000% different. I had the exact same experience of like, wait a minute, right? Esther Perel, you know, she is, she's a relationships psychologist and, you know, talks very frankly about things that are beyond the purview of this clean rated podcast, but she's excellent. One of the things she talked about was the sort of the six week, like, looks like you're ready to go. Like business may resume as usual and how there's a disconnect there. Right. Romance. Yeah. And she talked about it in a way I'd never really thought about it, which was the person whose body has not been profoundly altered by this experience really needs to remember that the other person in the relationship, which in the heterosexual relationship is the mother, um, no matter what kind of birth she had, whether she's breastfeeding or not, like her body is not this. She is literally not, you know, living in the same body that she was a couple of weeks ago, and that takes time. And there's a there's a disconnect there because the partner they didn't experience that, so how would they know what that's like? But that's another form of disconnect that falls on the woman more. Yeah, I mean, it is mesmerizing to me just what a man's involvement is in forget take relationships completely out of it. What a man's relationship is to creating a child versus what a female's relationship is to creating a child is absolutely insane. Mm -hmm. It's insane. (laughs) I remember just like having had a difficult birth and some birth-related injuries and everything, just limping home. And then it's like, oh, and now you feed the baby. I just don't understand biologically why this would be the way it is. It's like, wait, shouldn't the man breastfeed? That seems, that would make so much more sense to me. While I recover from like the most grievous injury I've ever sustained. No, because you're lying there anyway. So, you know, why not keep the baby alive too? <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things where you just, and you hear about it. It's like, oh, you have a baby, you breastfeed, you this, you that. And then you're doing it and you're like, stop the presses. I need to talk to the New York Times. Like, this is insane what's going on here at my house. And why is no one aware of this? You know, I think we should take a break. When we come back, I'm going to tell you the slightly surprising reason that relationships get so hard after kids that I wasn't totally expecting that wasn't anything we've discussed yet. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. 
Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health, and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code FRESH at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Okay, so here's why researchers say relationships can really go, you know, downhill in the pre-kids versus post-kids. Your body is different. You don't have time for each other, all the things we've talked about, but it's the lack of sleep. The lack of sleep is the number one reason that your relationship changes so profoundly because this leads to other things. Hashtag that tracks. Right. It tracks, right? I will tell you, I was just complaining to Amy before we started recording. I have had a horrible week of sleep for boring reasons. But I am in a rage spiral. Like, I mean, I'm just like, I'm moving away by myself. I'm becoming a hermit. I'm going to like live on an island because people are terrible. And also like, I can't pronounce words. And we were trying to record some ads. And I was like, I'm sorry, we need to do a take 17. <laughs> because for some reason, I cannot say the word Tuesday. It's too difficult for me. <laughs> and I'm talking, I've been getting like five to six hours of sleep a night, not two. Right. And the way that lack of sleep affects you is so... I don't, I think it is, and I mean, Ariana Huffington wrote a whole book about this, but that under sleeping, and, and people sometimes come to me and say, 
my kid is acting like this. Do you think it's normal? I mean, I'm not a doctor, but because I do a parenting podcast, people think I know a lot about kids. But the number one thing I always say is, first of all, I'm not a doctor. Don't ask me for advice. But how is that kid sleeping? Is that kid getting 11 hours of sleep a night? Yeah. Lisa Demore says that's her first question. And she is an expert. And that's where she starts. Yeah. All right. So I'm right. I'm just like Lisa Demore. But that I think that sometimes and I know for my own kids that all of my kids will occasionally have a night where I hear them walking around at midnight and then it's, you know, seven o'clock, 645, wake up for school. And if I thought that that kid, that was their actual personality, it'd be a nightmare. You know, like they just become monsters when they're underslept and uh, same. So, all right. Stephanie Wilson at SMU has researched no relation to Amy Wilson. No, but she likes research, just like me. Maybe there is some deep DNA there. So she has researched the relationship between sleep and marital conflict. And guess what? It's highly correlated. She says, see if this tracks for you. What did you say? You were rage spiraling? I can't remember because I'm too tired, Amy. I think you might have said rage spiraling and rage hyphen something else. I think you're like hyphenating your rage into all kinds of... Listen, I've got a lot. I'm like an Eskimo (laughs) with a million words for snow. I've got a lot of words for rage right now. Right. You're rage listening to this. Well, it was like a rage reveal, I think, what I was dealing with. Dr. Stephanie Wilson says, when you don't sleep well, it's harder to regulate your emotional responses. Dr. Wilson, you're doing a great job because you're really onto something there. Mm-hmm. Yes. And both of you are in that position, right? And that makes it harder to slow down and see you know, your partner's point of view to give each other grace about why didn't you, you know, drain the bathtub after you took the baby out and the towels all over the floor. Like it's a little bit harder to give grace. And the worst squabbling, her word, between partners occurs when both partners are sleep deprived. I mean, maybe I would say that my worst desire to commit husband aside was that he was not tired. You know, he was not as tired. He could sleep through the baby waking up. I mean, I I may have said this on the podcast before, but we lived in LA. We had a long earthquake plan and our earthquake plan was like, you get the boys, I'll get the girl, we'll meet here, da da da. One night, 3 a.m., there's a fairly significant earthquake. And it turned out our actual earthquake plan was like, I run around in my underwear screaming curse words, and he sleeps through the whole thing. And like, mm. my husband could sleep through anything. And so he made an effort to get up with the kid, but again, I was breastfeeding. And so, what is he getting up for, really? Yeah. So they got to come get you. I know. Like, I'll do the diaper. Like, okay, that's the last 7% of this midnight experience. But okay, thanks. Yeah. So I guess both tired, I get why that would be worse. But for me, me, like eyeballs bleeding tired and him being like, what's for breakfast? I just would think like, this is I will end him. I had a slightly different experience, but my husband is a sounder sleeper than me. He was tired too. Like there were definitely nights when like we were both up because somebody was, you know, had a stomach flu and then he moved to the couch and then I continued to be up the rest of the night. And in the morning he would be tired from that like half hour of, you know, cleaning up the bathroom in the middle of the night. But then he got another REM cycle and I stayed up. So it was like, we're both tired, but I'm like in another level of... I haven't even dreamed in four days and I'm starting to lose it tired. And he was just regular, really, really tired. I am hearing the voices. Yeah. 
Right. And he was also tired, but not as tired as I was. And then, of course, you start scorekeeping, because what else are you going to do when you're up in the middle of the night? And then, you know, that's... And when one partner is far more tired than the other, do I even need to say which partner that is likely to be? I'm going to give you a study. Working mothers in America were shown to be significantly more likely to get up during the night with a sick or wakeful child than working fathers. Oh, that's a shocker, Amy. I'm glad I was sitting down when you told me that. (laughs) But this was the coda to the study that was kind of interesting. In countries with more equal childcare leave, you know, parental policies where that's sort of a little more of a thing than it is in the U.S., sleep is more equal. So like what happens? So those sort of workplace policies trickle down to what's happening in your house when the policies are better. Yeah, that makes sense. And I will say this has equalized in my marriage tremendously. And in fact, the balance have shifted completely the other way now that the kids are older. So my husband tends to wake up at 5.30 or 6 just naturally and he can't go back to sleep. If I didn't set an alarm, I mean, back in the good old days, I could sleep until afternoon. But now, I mean, I can sleep until 8.39 easily. And so he tends to get less sleep than I do now. Judd Apatow, I'll see if I can find it and link to it. He has a funny routine that's like on TikTok, you know, it's going around. And he says that his whole relationship with his wife now is who slept worse. <laughs> like that every morning. Right. And it's they're older. So they're getting more into the thing of like, we can't sleep because we're older. Right. You get up early and yeah. And um, but it's a whole bit where it's like, oh, I woke up at two. Had to pee. I went to the bathroom. Then I thought I heard something outside. I went out. Then my back was killing me. So I decided to sleep in the chair. And she's like, oh, really? Because what happened to me was, and they're just having like endless conversations about who slept worse. So you're exhausted. And that actually leads to dissatisfaction. Like it's a why this is happening. And you're tired for a long time when you have kids. Like, of course, the newborn stuff gets easier. But the getting up too early and the kids don't know that it's Sunday morning. And so they're up at 6.15 on Sunday mornings too. Like that continues for several years. So the sort of dissatisfaction, right, that you're sort of stewing in sticks around for a long time. Not forever, but a long time. Oh, and let's name it. The resentments that you start to build during the bad times also last for a long time or can last for a long time, you know? And, you know, my husband finally learned, I think, not to ever utter the phrase, I'm tired, in the in a five-year span, because let me tell you. Because he wasn't allowed to be tired. <laughs> he wasn't allowed to say that. You've cornered the market. He would just be like, oh, I'm tired. I'm like, tired. And I would just, that was it. It was like, tired is hitting the magic button. Oh, you're tired. And I would be off to the races. Oh, it must be terrible. But we were recording uh, an episode after the summer when I was babysitting for my niece and nephew, niece two years old, who would wake up at 5.30 a.m., like raring to go. And I had been up until, you know, 10.30 or 11, getting my own kids down who are older and whatever. And let me tell you, the sense memory of a kid waking up at 5.30 when it's still dark outside. And the first thought in your head is, I got 18 hours to go. Like, I'm not going back to sleep until 11 p.m. Right. Maybe I could make it 10. Maybe I could roll it back. Tonight's going to be 9.15 for sure. Oh. And then the thing that I do every time, which is by 9 o'clock, I'm like, all right, as long as the little ones are down, like you bigs do whatever you want, I'm going to bed. I get in bed and I'm like... 
finally some peace to scroll my phone until 1130 at night and start the madness again. But that the number one thing it brought back to me was the tiredness. I mean, God bless you if you're in it. I remember saying at some point, and I had three and, you know, I three kids each 18 months apart. And when my two-year-old started sleeping well, and then she was going to daycare, the other one was in kindergarten and preschool, and I would occasionally drop them off, go back to sleep for an hour and a half. I always say it was like Dorothy walking into Oz. Like my world went from this like very gray space to like, oh yeah, this is what laughter feels like. This is how food tastes. Like I could not believe how deadened I was all the time. So there's two other things that lack of sleep can lead to. One is lack of communication, specifically because you're tired. You know, you don't feel like chatting. I just had this with my spouse last night. We just got back from a trip overseas. And so we're on the weird, you know, time zone thing. So we both felt fine. And then all of a sudden it was 9 p.m. And I just hit a wall and he came into the kitchen and like dared to strike up chit chat with me about how my day went about like, so how'd that thing go? And I just was like, I don't know. I don't, you know, and I, I caught myself and said, I'm just at a wall. I'm really tired. And he said, okay, me too. We went to bed, but God bless. I will say this is, there are some downsides of the long-term marriage. The best part of it is that I can say to my husband, do me a favor. Don't talk to me for the rest of the night. And it's just like, he's like, got it. And we can just leave each other alone. It doesn't, we don't fight. Or he comes in and he's like, so, you know, I was looking at our banking information. Did you do And I'm like, nope, not. Yeah, the store is closed. Let's do it Saturday morning, maybe over some, you know, danishes. But I can't. I'm too tired. But the problem is when you're always tired, then there is no right time to talk about that stuff or like I wanted to bring something up or whatever. And so then these things that you needed to talk about, whether they're logistical or emotional, can sort of you know, fester and resentments can grow because there is never a good time to talk about the hard stuff. Oh, can they, Amy? Can they? <laughs> right? Yes, you're right. They can. Indeed. The last thing is that there's a Chuck Berry song called Too Pooped to Pop. Have you been familiar with that? Oh, they lack alert. Back in my day. Oh, we say it all the time in our family. It's an expression. My parents used to say that. I'm too pooped to pop. Too pooped to pop. Well, I was going to use it to mean like, you know, to be euphemistic. But yeah, when you're, when you're tired all the time, you're too pooped to pop. That is not great for a relationship. And also physically, if you have, I mean, I had three kids under four. I had someone clutching me or pawing at me all day long. And I mean, the idea of any form of romantic interaction was let's just say appalling to me. Your experience, right, of being touched had changed profoundly. And once again, your partners had not, right? And so your needs are really being met 500%. And there's, like, it went to 500% people touching me for you and maybe, you know, <laughs> down to zero for the other person who's out of the house and comes home and is like, what? and the rules have changed. Yeah, it does. The biology of that, you know, sometimes we talk about biological imperatives and how they make things 
so much clearer and they really help things make sense. If, if it's supposed to be happening, right? There's a reason this is happening. And so therefore, right? This biological imperative is a mystery to me. Like, why don't men experience like a giant, whatever it would be, testosterone drop or something? Right, right. So they don't- In the year after a child is born, because I guess because their only job, it's not a because biology doesn't recognize monogamy. That's why. Because their job is to go out and have then kids with 86 other people. It's not to leave their poor, tired wife alone for a year. Right. Well, so there's one response to all of this that's always the go-to, like you need to do this when your marriage has lost its luster after kids. Oh, I know what you're going to say, and my head will pop. Yeah, well, let's take a break. I'm not even going to say it. (laughs) I will not be too pooped to pop. I will start (laughs) screaming in rage. Amy, when I'm dehydrated, I get headaches. I get cranky, and I don't feel good in general. Also, I am dehydrated a lot of the time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because being good with the water bottle is one thing, but getting that sodium and potassium with the fluids, turns out that is the key to saying optimally hydrated. So whether you're looking to hydrate during your workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, seven essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. Each box has 16 little stick packs that you can take on the go, whether you're headed to an exercise class, a night out with friends, or a podcasting conference. And did we mention they come in delicious flavors from raspberry lemonade to cherry pomegranate? Stay hydrated with Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes. Visit sportsresearch.com and use the code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H dot com, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate Electrolytes order. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you've fallen into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the no guilt mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. And now, things we're fighting with our spouse about. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. The why are you fixing the door on the shed when your entire family is coming for Sunday dinner in an hour and the house is a mess fight. What? You said this needs to be fixed. You said I should help. The why am I shopping for a scarf for your Aunt Jan? She's your Aunt fight. I don't know if a scarf is a good idea for Aunt Jan. She's really picky about what she wears. The why have all the pieces of my sink been on the bathroom floor for a month fight. All right, don't touch it, don't touch it. As soon as I find the spigot I need, I'm going to fix that. 
the why did you bring this home from the grocery store when it's not what I asked for fight. If soy milk isn't milk, then why does it say milk right on the carton? The you get a zero for leaving your dishes soaking in the sink fight. You know, I I had no idea what to do with those. I mean, some of those have to be cleaned in some special way. Only you know, so I left them for you to do. This has been Things We're Fighting With Our Spouse About. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. Okay, so here's what we're not going to tell you because it's like, so what works? What should you do when you feel like your uh, angry partner's at the daycare and you're in the lost decade? Can I tell you what it is? Because I already know. (laughs) Just go on a date night. Horrible. You're exhausted. You're filled with resentment. You're going to pay a babysitter and like blow dry your hair and go to an expensive restaurant so you can... Sit there and stare at each other and be like, I'm tired, I'm tired. And then you think the entire time, I think I know how this ends and I really just want to go to sleep. Right. And then this pressure of like, this was supposed to be amazing. This is supposed to bring the romance back and we're doing it every Wednesday. It doesn't always go so well. It didn't for us. We never really stuck to it. Like we're like, we should have a date night. And then we do it twice and we were tired. I can remember a meal. I think my sister-in-law had come in town to help with the kids. And she was like, you guys go out. I can picture we were at a restaurant called Asia that I'm sure doesn't exist anymore in, um, I can't remember what part of California it's called, outside of LA. It's called like, not Glendale. Anyway, doesn't matter. I'm sure the restaurant's not there anymore. But we loved this restaurant before we had, this was our first baby. And we went and we just were like joylessly like shoving this food that we used to love like into our mouths. And like my eye, like I was having trouble keeping my eyes open and it was cold, I was freezing, and it was misery. It was like everything that reminded me, It all it served to do was remind me of what was lost. You know, like <laughs> even this, even this is taken from me. Even this wonderful sushi restaurant called Asia that I used to love. Doesn't even taste good to me anymore because I'm too tired. Oh, it was torture. Awful. I think that the date night thing, it occurs to me that the date night thing, I understand what it's going for, but it's not working. And I think there's another way to come at it. So I'm going to suggest that you could like take the date night expectations like way down and do the two parts that are useful that are sort of why you're doing it. The first one is leaving the house, right? Like leaving the kitchen. That's a mess that you're standing in fighting about. But that could be as easy as like going in your backyard for 20 minutes after the baby goes to sleep, like just changing your where you're existing together to not be in it. Like go for a walk around the block. Go. It doesn't have to be Le Bernardin, right? To be worthwhile. It's just go somewhere else than you usually are. Particularly for the parent who's like at home all the time with the kids, if there is one who's staying at home, right? Like just move your relationship to a different location. You have a nice backyard. I don't really have a backyard in New York City, but I do have a block to walk around. And to do that is useful. Just change it up. I'm not sure if that's interesting to me. I'm going to tell you the one thing that really worked for us. Because for me, I think that you have to identify like what's wrong, like sit and have that conversation. And for me, what was wrong was being too tired. That was always, it wasn't that like I'm too much in the house because I took the kids out every day. We were at parks. Like I didn't care about standing in the backyard. I didn't care about going to a restaurant. My presenting issue was tired and I had some postpartum anxiety and I had a lot of sleep problems around that. And so I I was like level 10 tired. I was so tired and I would like fall asleep with like the kids so they were, like playing on my head. I mean, it was 
misery. And so we strategized around, I cut back on breastfeeding, which I'm going to say, not a doctor, but it I needed to. I could not keep up nighttime feedings and get up with a three and a two-year-old in the morning. And so I did a mix of breastfeeding and formula. And two nights a week, my husband got up and gave the baby a bottle instead of me. And I would sleep through and I would put silicone. We had a tiny house. We had two rooms. It was 900 square feet. If I could have, I would have gone to a completely separate bedroom. It's like, this is my night off. The My only job tonight is to try to sleep for nine hours. The other thing we would do is we called them sleep in Saturdays. Saturday morning, non-negotiable. My husband couldn't do work stuff. Saturday mornings, my husband got up with all three kids and took them out of the house until noon, and I slept that whole time. But if this is about improving relationships, I mean, I guess what you're saying is what needed to improve your relationship is that you needed to sleep more. That was what was needed to improve your relationship. Yeah, like me dragging my zombie carcass to like a restaurant had no bearing. It solved zero of my problems. But did your relationship issues and resentments, did they improve once you were getting more sleep? They probably did. I just think every single part, my parenting improved. Like I was not functioning. I was so tired. Right. And, you know, luckily I had a partner who saw that and said, okay, let's make a plan around this. But if that person is not your partner, like call a friend. I've gone to people's houses and spent the night at their house when they had little babies. And it's like, I'll get up and feed the baby. I mean... If you are at a point where you're like a little tired and you could do an afternoon nap, fine. But I needed nine straight hours of sleep at a certain point to just start to right the ship. And I think that solving the problems is so much more important than like the Instagram advice of like, here's me and my husband and our baby by the pool in Las Vegas sleeping champagne. Like if that's not solving your problem, don't do it. No, but this is about like actually like working on your, what date night gives you the ability to do is it removes you from the situation, right? Like that's why there is a date night. And so removing yourself from your usual situation with your spouse to talk about the issues in your relationship or, you know, where are we going for Thanksgiving or how did that thing go you told me about a couple weeks ago? Like it doesn't really matter what you're talking about. It's communication with your spouse needs to occur and it's much more likely to occur if you're not in your usual environment. Mm. All right. That makes sense to me. I think we were so far off the train that it was like, we need to like, we need to stop the ship from sinking before we can talk about how to sail it better. Right? Right. But then I do think that like we found for us that Friday nights became like taken nights. You know, we lived in LA, there was a lot of great food. And that was our night to like get a yummy taken meal, especially when we had little kids. Like, And I'm tired of the meal where like I try to make something and two kids are crying because they don't want it. But just to have a night where it was like, this is our night to eat what we want and do what we want and carving that time out. And the other thing is we had in the nine months that we were together without kids, we watched a lot of movies and quickly we were like, oh, movies are no longer working for us at all. Like there is no point in us sitting in the dark for two hours and not talking. Like if we do get time together, we want to be talking. Talking, right. But for us, taking food was better for that. It was like, we didn't have to pay the sitter. We could spend that money on like nicer takeout and get some good sushi. And yeah, like put the kids in front of a movie and sit and eat. And I think that what I'm saying is like what this solution looks like for you, 
you really have to think about what the problems look like. Yes. The other thing that gets in the way of communication, I think, because you are tired, is that nothing works except, you know, I used to watch mindless television. This was 20 years ago when I had a baby. Now I would be scrolling my phone and watching mindless television. And there are times when that really is all you can do. And it's extremely satisfying. And I certainly do plenty of like co that with my spouse. But we're also at a time in our parenting lives where if we need, need to talk about stuff, we have time to do so. And I think that's the other thing about the date night. Like, if you're both sitting scrolling your phones at Le Bernard Den, there's some part of you that's like, oh, we might look, this is a little weird. We're not really supposed to be doing this while we're sitting here. We're supposed to be looking at each other and talking to each other. And again, I don't think you need like a babysitter in a restaurant to create a like, how about for half an hour, we're just going to put our phones away and and just talk, just listen to music, whatever. Just don't fill it with the dopamine hit the baby rattle. The baby rattle, as we call it. Yeah, they're like, I have to have something to do. And I think that the biggest answer, and it certainly was for us, is, as you say, same team. And as Lynetta Willis, who we reference maybe more than any other guest ever on this podcast says, get on the same side of the net as the problem. And those are the times when my husband and I could be really deep in the mess and laughing together about like, what have we done to our lives? This was a huge mistake. And like, these people are animals who we live with, and they're horrible. We don't, you know, those are the moments. And even I find now with teenagers, I have a kid who is just has a really hard time in the morning, always has temper, lots of temper tantrums in the morning. And I was really noticing this morning that the siblings and everybody was sort of like, at some point he was yelling and it's all calmed down this morning. And we just got kind of laughing. His brother was like, you're literally the only person screaming in the house and you're screaming the words calm down. And we just were able to kind of all now, it's like the four of us, my husband's out of town, myself and the three kids against the problem of like this kid's angry morning rages where we were all kind of laughing at it together, not laughing at the kid doing it because that's not a good solution, but figuring out ways to connect with your partner against the problem is so much better and hard. Listen, I mean, I failed this test a billion times. Mm -hmm. If you're in this season with your partner, it seems to me like this could be a good way in to talk about this study. Like, well, we can link to some of the things we talked about today and just say like, did you know that like sleep, lack of sleep actually causes communication problems within a marriage. I mean, it seems so obvious but when you stop and think about it. It could be a way in to talk about it as something that just happens. It just occurs. It's not nobody's fault. It's not why do you never. It's just like, wow, we're in this season and turns out there's reasons for it and maybe gives you a reason to talk about it and sort of, so I thought we should really try to set aside time to do this once a week, whatever. Not the date night stuff. And I think there are moments that you can identify. I was waiting for my husband to get off the plane. It was when we were really newly married. Now I'm like, take an Uber, dude, I'm busy. But I was waiting for him at the airport. And a guy came off the plane before me and his wife was waiting with me. And as he walked up, she was like, you're late. And I did it. And I have these 10 things to do. And she just was like laying into him right away. And I was a maybe a newlywed or maybe we were still dating. And I can't remember being like, 
oh, I would never be like that to my husband. Surprise, surprise, cut to 10 years later. And I've become, I need six eggs. And also like the second I see my husband, I tend to be like, you left that part of the sink in the bathroom and you did it. And here is like a list of your faults that I've been waiting to tell you about for the last nine hours while you've been like golfing or doing whatever. And I have found that for me, like finding those times, like the greeting times tends to be a time to like go for connection and realize that we can have that conversation about the things, all of his many sins later. But that I have tried, and it was really funny because someone in the Facebook group wrote and they were like, Margaret, I tried your thing of smiling at my husband when he walks in the door. And he was like, what are you doing? What's wrong? What's wrong with you? (laughs) Because he was like, why are you smiling at me? It's creepy. But I do think that you can do a little bit of work around like, when does this get really bad? Maybe it's the first hour of the morning. Maybe it's the first time you see each other, you know, and try to remember like, how can we fix this together? Like we're actually, we got married because we liked each other. We had kids because we wanted them. And this isn't something that happened to us. So maybe we could fix it together. There are these bids for connection can be ridiculously small, like set the bar low, like that shirt looks good on you. Like that's a place to start if you're really stuck in angry partners at the daycare. Thank you for doing that. How was your day? You know, like very simple things because I think we get a bad rap. I'm speaking for like heterosexual stay at home women of like, ah, the shrew with the baby on the hip. But like, we maybe have some role to like, let go of that a little bit and be like, okay, I'm going to choose connection first. And then I'm going to like address real problems that I need real support with. I'm not going to skip that part. We (laughs) solved marriages, guys. So don't worry about it anymore. It's all set. Friends, we have an exciting development. As you know, Amy and I are not only the hosts of this podcast, but we have a podcast network of our own filled with shows for women and moms, and it is called Adalist Media. We want you to visit our website, which we just redesigned. It's new and improved. It looks amazing. And you can find all of the shows that are in our network there, and that is at ADA. L-Y-S-T, adalistmedia.com. Please check out and subscribe to all of our shows and enjoy your listening experience. Well said. Yeah, we love all these shows. And some of them will be familiar too, and some of them might be new. Yeah, lots familiar. Yeah, and we hope you enjoy them all. And with that, Hellions, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? 
Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Ko, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.